Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Now, we speak a lot about dodgy magical practitioners and bitch a lot about Wiccans and the like, New Agers, but we do occasionally meet the odd magical practitioner, a witch and the like, who we do truly respect. And today we've got one of those people. It is the legendary Lady Poison. Hello, Lady Poison. Hello, Liam. Hello, Chris. Chris is also here. Hello, Lady Poison. There he is. So, um, I think that obviously no one really knows your identity and they don't know a huge amount about you. So I figured we should probably start with your public work. Because I know you're into all sorts of top secret uh, magical <laughs> projects and the like. But some people might have stumbled across your blog because you have a Lady Poison a Lady page. Lady Poison blog. page, yes. So how did that come about and what do, you, what do you put on your blog? Well, I was given the Lady Poison name by two very dodgy characters probably about a year ago. So I thought, well, okay, I might just as well own the name. So uh, I thought, right, let's start Lady Poison's page. So that's how it came about. I also wanted to be able to put some things up not under my usual Facebook identity, but in a more anonymous format. So... Isn't that what OnlyFans is for, Chris? <laughs> yeah, that's what OnlyFans is for. Damn, okay. I knew I missed You make some really good money on there, Lady Poison. Um, I'll have to have a Lady Poison OnlyFans page. Do you think they'd like to be happy watching the yeah. um, things filtering? I think, I think you should sell poisonous knickers. <laughs> <laughs> they could watch some herbs infusing. I mean, that's quite good, I guess, as it drips through the, uh, yeah. the muslin sack. Make your own drug. I'm sure it'll do something for somebody. <laughs> Don't tempt me. You know I might just do it. <laughs> it's good money. It's good money, Lady Poison. You really need to branch out. Well, I mean, you are branching out at the moment, aren't you? Because you're actually... I mean, we've bitched. We did an entire podcast about magical objects. But now Lady Poison's actually starting to do magical jewellery, aren't you? I am, yes. In fact, I've just registered for my magical hallmark. Okay. As soon as I so do, this is legit. This is legit, yes. Anything from with my name on it will be solid silver. So, a okay. um, couple of weeks' time. That's partly why the Lady Poison page has been a bit quiet lately, because okay. I have been busy making stuff. Um, burning my fingers, um, cutting my fingers, losing my temper. But, yeah, they're getting there. There's a couple of pieces that are ready to go once they've got the, the magic uh, approval from the assay office. Because when you look on Pinterest or if you look on Etsy, there's lots of, uh, what would we call them? I don't know. Uh, people that like to do home craft, but like a witchy aesthetic. Mm -hmm. But there's not really any actual magical, uh, you know, magical well, jewelry. We normally magic. just call those insta-witches. Insta-witches, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chris, this could be the first line of magical jewellery that's less than 2,000 years old that you actually, you know, think mm. is all right. So, you know. <laughs> I, prom I promise no rose quartz, Chris. That's fine. That's fine. Unless if there's rose, Unless if there's there rose, quartz, rose quartz, then it'd be very me. careful. <laughs> but, Definitely. Uh, but yeah, what, what I'm planning is, for example, the, uh, the, the Man in Black, the Crossroads working piece, will have real Crossroads dirt behind the stone you won't see it but it'll be there the um, plant-based talismans 
they will be made with the plant spirit imbued into the manufacturing process. So I'm going to be infusing magic and witchcraft actually into the pieces of jewellery, which will make the difference between jewellery you buy from the mass mm. market and real magical jewellery. Once you've got it, it's up to yours to do what you like. I won't be putting my own uh, practice into it. It'll be raw material, but it will have the pre-programming to work with the entities that it is programmed to work with. Yeah. So when you start designing that, then, do you start with uh, what you want the object to be able to do? So do you start with kind of the idea of how it's going to be used as a tool? Do you start with the design or do you just start with, I've got some ingredients and I need to do something with them because it's too cool to sit on a shelf? All of the, all of the okay, above, basically. Um, I will start off with an idea, but the trouble is, as soon as you start to actually do it, everything takes on a life of its own. Yeah. And it's been guided by, I don't know, I don't know what, intuition, whatever. But I can start off with with a picture. There's one I've done, which actually wasn't it wasn't set out to be a goddess piece, but mm. it has definitely turned into a goddess piece, and that will probably be the first piece that goes up, which is not my usual thing at all. But um, during the manufacturing process, it just sort of evolved that way, and I think that's the way that my jewellery making will go. Um, I don't mm. think I'll ever be able to sit there and say somebody to say do me a pentagram yeah. you know if there's a ten a penny on Etsy on eBay uh, I don't use a pentagram anyway so it doesn't exactly resonate with me um, so I can't see myself really incorporating that you might find five or six pointed stars but they won't be uh, a, a classic pentagram yeah. by any means are you going to name drop the goddess you've accidentally worked with <laughs> <laughs> Um, might be a Greek goddess. Oh, that's um, a little different. Nice. Might be one who's associated with crossroads, black dogs. I was just going to say, I knew exactly who it was, <laughs> but we can leave it guessing for everybody else. <laughs> she, she was fairly determined, shall we say, that this was going to be a, a, a goddess piece. So um, who am I to say no to her? Well, exactly. I was just going to say, you know that conversation we had the other week, Liam? wondering what Lady Poison would consider her jewellery to be. Does it fall onto the magical object list or the amulet list? And are they different to Lady Poison? I guess a lot of them will be amulets, but they will not be obviously amulets. Um, I was inspired, excuse me a second, by a certain stone belonging to somebody not a million miles from me here. Okay. Do you want to put that on camera so I can't exactly see where the camera is? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Little lower. <laughs> You're on a different camera, Chris. You, you, yeah, you want to see it as well, don't you? There we go. I want to see it, yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's nice. So, um, so yeah, this is this is an this will is an amulet, but it looks like mm. an ordinary piece of jewellery. So it's really for people who don't want to be too overt. Um, in their in their jewelry choices, the, the the objects will be magical, but they won't be obviously magical to anybody who doesn't actually pick up the magical undertones. So you can wear it to work, the office. If you're in a the closet, then you'll stay in the closet. So is that the first like technically the closet. first Lady Poison finished product? No, there's a no. few more. That one won't okay. be for sale. I'm keeping that one. So me. which one did you do first then? Which one was your? The first one is actually the um, was the Crossroads one. Okay. But that, again, didn't go quite according to plan. 
so um, I have yet to yet to finish that one. So it's sort of in progress. I need to uh, I, basically I need to get down to the crossroads at midnight and get the dirt spear behind it. How many people on Etsy can say that? <laughs> well, there is that. I was also there wondering whether it would be feasible to actually leave it at the crossroads overnight. That's another thing that's sort of going through my head, whether that would be a possibility once I've finished it, to actually bury it at the crossroads and retrieve it the next day. So I'm, I might well do that one for that piece. So you want to saturate... My only worry would be... <laughs> Sorry, Chris? What was that? I was going to say, my only worry would be that you've made it for Hecate to go to somebody else. Oh, no, this is a different piece. And then you piece. lose out this on is, the this, sale. This is a different piece. The, the goddess one, I think. I think whoever buys that will be a Hecate devotee in their own right. I think she. I think the owner of that piece will be chosen by herself. Yeah. And um, I don't think it'll be a conscious decision as a purchaser. They'll be told, you know, that's yours. And I want it. So is every piece going to be one unique item or are you going to do a batch? Because to a certain extent... They'll all be handmade, so they will right. all be unique okay. in, in so far. And hopefully they will get better as I get as I get more skilled. But So I don't think I could actually replicate anything twice. I've never managed to do that in the past with any of the other arts and crafts or potions. Uh, nothing is ever the same. I don't... I want to move on. I'm not happy to yeah. just sit there and produce vial after vial after vial of, of this, that and the other to accept, which is where I, where I could never actually open a herbalist shop because I would be too inconsistent. Too bored. I would be bored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you do something, then you see a better way of doing it and you see a better way of doing it and you see a better way of doing it. In that way, you, you grow both magically and a, as a craftsperson. So obviously, one of the things that we first knew about you or one of the first kind of conversations we tended to have we obviously noted, noticed that you were an expert with your potion making <laughs> and with lady poison the name you know obviously lady poison you don't just collect poison plants but you work with them magically I do work with them, yes. and from a herbal herbalist perspective as well i do um i don't know if you see you probably can't see from the handle here but there's a big bookcase full of herbalism books behind liam and um, including some fairly heavy te do technical books on the toxicology and the pharmacological properties of the plants, as, as well as Culpepper and the metaphysical ones. Because if you're playing with the, the poisonous plants, then you do need to know the science behind them, as well as the magical properties, uh, just to know how far you can push it. So with the potion making specifically, were you one of those people that were always into kind of home brews? Oh, I used to, yeah, I used to have the rose petals on my windowsill with water on right, when I was okay. a child to make perfume. I think one of my earliest earliest memories is watering my grandmother's garden. I can't be more than three with my little watering can and running out of water. So I've going around emptying all these little pots. Didn't realise that one was terps. I don't think I did a plant so much good that time, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so but, yes, I was, I was, I was the one who was making potions with the, with the different okay, things I picked so, up, uh, ink out of blackberries and stuff like that. So your magical practice evolved out of that. So how I did you kind of probably... get into the real serious? Because you're more of a serious witch. It's not like a hobby. It's a case of this is a serious path for you. Mm. Well, I've got the two strands. I've got the the herbalism, magical, working with the plant spirits and the essence of plant spirits, and also an, an initiatory tradition that um, I was taken into. Oh, gosh, um, about ten years ago now. So that's uh, traditional witchcraft. 
Traditional, traditional Traditional, traditional witchcraft with a big T rather than traditional witchcraft with a little T. So would this be the sort of thing that um, Cowden, there's a book, Cowden's Traditional Witchcraft, is this PKTW post-Cowden traditional witchcraft or is this more pre-Cowden? Oh no, this goes goes way, way back, before before Cowden was even a twinkle in his parents' eye. Oh, okay. We need to talk a little bit about that then. So obviously... You did speak about, uh, in terms of your jewellery making, your mm-hmm. magical object creation, that you're working with a Greek goddess, but yes. I know you I don't from... normally. No, this was... She's She's been in the background for a while, and okay. you can say no to them so many times, but... They get their way. They do eventually, don't one they? One way or another, they yes, tend to get their way. Yes, I was hoping that the, yes. the goddess pendant shall now go and leave me in peace, because one demanding goddess... Especially with the crossroads deities like that. Mm. They will just keep coming back until you make the deal they want you to make. Absolutely. So it's a case of, OK, I'll, I'll do this for you now. Fine, go away and bother somebody else, please. Until the <laughs> next time. So if you were to sum up your kind of practice because nowadays it seems to be all about categories what type of witch are you what type of magical practitioner are you if i had to describe you apart from being lady poison the legend that is lady poison because that is something (laughs) in itself you could probably say something along the lines of cochranite inspired traditional welsh witchcraft because you work a lot with the welsh Yes, I know. I know. I don't. I don't sound it. My Welsh accent was a long time ago. But yes, I am Welsh. So you are from Wales. I am from Wales. Proper Welsh. Proper Welsh. Um. So in terms of how that works, then, because we've been traditional witchcraft, it's very much a case of everything's still quite secret. I think mm-hmm. there's not a lot of talk that goes on. Um, and within other witchcraft traditions certainly the modern traditions like wicca and the different types of wicca there seems to be very much they like to put themselves out there mm-hmm. and a lot of the time to me it's always felt and it always seems like it's a bit too much much like instagram is putting your work out there to tell everyone else what you're up to and then rinse and repeat from what i've seen of traditional yeah. witchcraft it seems to be a little bit more necessity or exploring a path and you don't really care so much about other people it's not bringing more and more people into the fold like you get with wicca it's almost like they want to initiate more and more and more people it's a club yeah it it does become kind of like a club doesn't it yeah i guess we've been lucky insofar as wicca has taken the limelight for the last 20 in fact since the internet age really Mm. um traditional witchcraft now is starting to come to the fore i think wicca has been diluted so much Uh, there's two distinct differences there's there's the initiatory wicca and i know some very very good wiccans who are very good witches and there are the eclectic internet based witches who call themselves wiccan but wouldn't be recognized as such by certainly by gerald gardner so wicca is evolving Um, Mm. i'm not saying this is wrong but wicca is going off in a completely different direction from what it used to be um is that right? Is that what, what it'll look like in 20 years' time? I have no idea. I hope I'm still here to find out. Well, but I, yeah. But it is, and as I can see at the moment, a lot of people finding this sort of wicker light is somewhat unfulfilling and satisfactory. Uh, there's only so yeah. many candle spells you can do. There's only so many crystal spells you can do. Now what? And uh, They eventually come looking for us. 
<laughs> well, exactly. People, people who are really drawn to witchcraft are not satisfied with that sort of starter fare. They want to go deeper, in, deeper into the mysteries. And part of, I think part of the problem is, on, certainly on the Facebook groups, mm. is that it doesn't really give you much of an insight into what is actually possible. Um, you know, wick, uh, witchcraft, everyone is a witch, you self-define as a witch, that's absolutely great. Uh, but some of the witchcraft that I do, and I know you do, uh, scares the hell out of me at times, you know. I think, shit, what have I just gone and done? Yeah. Um, and then you pick yourself up and think, okay, that went okay, let's do it again. Um, and you do. And then that time you push a bit further and a bit further and a bit further. And um, so what I find I'm certainly doing is I've left the textbooks Way, 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 way behind. What I'm doing, what I do in my personal practice, is not something I'm ever going to to find a book on. I do it. Uh, I created. I mean, Liam and Chris know this. I created myself a magical board game. Uh, oh yeah. Probably four or five years ago now, long before they thought of their version, by the way. And um, I hooked it into yes. <laughs> hooked it into the into the Welsh heritage and the the thirteen treasures of Britain. And I made basically the 13 treasures of Lady Poison. I wasn't <laughs> sure where this was going to take me. I had absolutely no idea. It, as it happened, I made the game board. It was, it's embroidered. It's, it's made of textiles. And I made each of the game pieces as I was told, that's the next game piece. And they had to be silver, just to make things really simple for me. But never mind. Uh, I had no idea where I was going with this. And it took me um, exactly as it happens, a year and a day. And I didn't realise that. <laughs> it was only when I actually <laughs> sat there to, to actually use the game board for the first time, I realised this had been going for exactly a year and a day. Very, very strange. And me being me, of course, I thought, well, I'm going to do it on an auspicious date. So I thought the very first time I will use it, it'll be the day that the... There was a solar, a solar eclipse and right. a lunar eclipse, more or less at the same time. Uh, there was about a window between them. And I thought, I also had no idea how I was going to start this. Um, I had a key symbol, so I thought, well, okay, it's a key symbol that does it. As soon as I sat there to do it, no, it wasn't a key symbol. I had to use a completely different symbol. Next thing I knew, it was five hours later. <laughs> and um, yeah. it was, say, a real baptism of fire. Not sure whether it was the board or whether it was my timing or, mm. or, or just the fact that I really had opened a new wormhole, I guess, for want of a better word, into, into the universe. Anyway, fabulous. Since then, I've added more to this game board. It acts as a spell board. It acts as a portal. Um, some people won't even go near it. Mm. Uh, other people go, oh, that's nice. Um, and I'm longing to see what soft come up with their game board. Well, there's a difference in approach, though, because obviously... There are no bars yeah. on mine. There are, there are no limits yeah. to mine. I, ha I deliberately have put no checks, no guards on it. But much like with the jewellery, you're inspired to embark on a project and then the project pulls you and essentially almost forces you... The, the project to... almost takes the lead. Yeah. Yes. Whereas obviously with us, we start with a very clear idea of what we want and then design it. So mm. it's the difference with you is a lot of your approach does seem, certainly within traditional witchcraft, it's like the mad scientist yes. in a lab <laughs> at home yeah. making breakthroughs, but by doing quite dangerous experiments, I suppose. I guess yeah. so, yes. Whereas I think normally with our stuff, it tends to be a calculated approach and we're designing for an audience. 
Yeah. We don't really get yeah. much in our personal practice. We don't really get much time, I suppose, to embark on a little journey to just for the sake of it. But a lot of the time within a lot of traditional witchcraft, and I think probably more along the lines of your sort, because you have a lot of exploration and a lot of emphasis on exploring. Mm. Whereas obviously ours is more um, service type witchcraft or service magic. Yeah. Yes, I have only pl- I have only myself definitely... to please, basically, and I, and only myself to risk. Yeah. So I've got no responsibility. So yeah, you can take the to, um, you can take the approach people. of not having. So how do you cope with being a witch then? Because you can try, I think, as best you can to hide it from the mundane world, mm-hmm. but there's always people that pick up on it. So if you've got any. I've had a couple of people. Many people right. I work I worked with okay. um, have spotted it. Yes, okay. and some people, probably the more unlikely people too, which is quite right. interesting. Okay. And I've had a couple of people up to me, Lady Poison, are you a <laughs> are you a witch? <laughs> and, and I will always answer a direct question honestly. So the okay. answer to that was yes, and then the follow up one is invariably, are, are, are you a white witch? <laughs> and I go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But do you just stop there or do you say I'm a bit more grey or do you say, because I think leaving it there is because there's something quite cool about that, watching their face, certainly. (laughs) It depends Um, on what they've asked for. If they've actually bothered to ask me, there's generally a reason. Right, okay. Um, And in this case, the person who said, are you a a white witch? She was having trouble with her neighbours, parking their car in front of her driveway. Right, okay. So So it's basically someone with a problem they're thinking oh there's someone that's a little bit odd that might have some sort of a magic a foot in their life yeah. maybe i should ask them their opinion and then you have done work for people like that before i think haven't you i have yeah, yeah. i mean if i if i'm asked then yes I, yes i do mm. um but of course people have to know who i am in order to ask yeah and i'm still although people in re- some of my friends i've had for 30 years still actually probably don't know um others i've known for a couple of months pick up very fast mm. it's uh, I'm probably less closeted than I used to be and even at work I, there was we had one um, one chap he just split up from his wife and it was Halloween and he was asking me about Halloween de- why ask me about Halloween decorations <laughs> but there we go so he asked me if I, I said uh, he said I need to decorate for Halloween and he said okay do you want this reached into my handbag and pulled out a plaster human skull now why there was a plaster human skull in my handbag at that point is a long story but I gave it to him and his face absolute picture I should have. I should have had a camera. Is it one of those ones that look real? Oh yeah. Oh right. Okay. So that was probably scary. But then you're also the person yeah, that yeah. went to a business meeting and then ended up buying a haunted skull at one point. God yes, <laughs> madam. Madam. Oh yes. Do you want that story? Oh, we might as well. We might as well go okay. for it. Yeah. I was going to a business meeting. I, I worked, used to work in financial services, so I was wearing a suit, high heels, and trotting through Central Bars. Doesn't give away where I am. Um, and on my way to my meeting and something just yelled at me and I was like, what, 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 what was that? Turned round and there was this junk shop on one side and this human still sitting in a detritus of rubbish, bits of animal bone, <laughs> dust, stones, and you know, real, real junk. It was basically said, get me out of here. I was like, what? So anyway, I didn't have time to stop. So I went on to my meeting, um, came back, got yelled at again. And I didn't have time, so okay, I'll come back tomorrow. So 
back, back, back to the office, wander down the next lunchtime, thinking, well, if it's still there, I might, you know, I might go in. And the shop was closed. So, okay, fine. This thing is still yelling at me, you know, get me out of here. So I'm just about to go back to back to work when the postman arrives, rings the doorbell, and the proprietor pops out a bit like Mr. Ben, and the older people in Britain will know who I mean by that one, um, and says, would you like to come in? So obviously, in I go. Pick, pick up the pick up the still, thinking, this is hot. Um, me, stupidly, how much is this? Oh, 350 which is a stupidly cheap price for, for a, human for a genuine human yeah. skill, even, even that many years ago. So, uh, and old cash, by the way. So didn't have cash with me, and cash dispensers don't normally dispense that amount of money. So okay, I'll go down to the down to the cash dispenser, get some cash out. Cash dispenser gives me three hundred and fifty pounds. So I think, okay, fine. So I go back, buy this thing, um, carry it back to the office, wrapped in a scarf, thinking if I ever have to unwrap this and explain why I have a real genuine <laughs> human skull in my handbag, um, and I hope nobody else can hear her. So I got, I got her home. And um, that was the start of my troubles. So if you ever see a dodgy looking human skull in a junk shop saying, get me out of here, just leave it there, please. Uh, or send it to us. <laughs> or send it to us. Ideally, buy it and send it to us. Well, you nearly did yeah, buy, buy it. Yeah, buy it and send it to us. I nearly did buy it, yeah. We'll take them. Add into that story, actually, because you put it, uh, you gave it to someone in Glastonbury to I sell, did. didn't you? Yeah. And they had a shop in Glastonbury High Street. And I wandered in and I saw this box. It was kind of behind the till, so it wasn't really on display, but it was visible. And I got the impression there's 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 a head in there. There's a head in there. And as I inched closer, I did get that impression that there's something definitely troublesome in there. But I, I always say on situations like that, I'll go away and then I'll come didn't work, back. Didn't work for me, you know, I did exactly that. And if it's still there, <laughs> I'll get it. If not, I won't. And in in the end, when I did go back, it wasn't there. But I do regret it. Mm, I regret it. For you. Yeah, all of the trouble we could cause together. Just imagine that. But speaking of trouble, yeah. now you did mention about helping someone uh, that approached you with a little piece of magic screwing over a neighbour. Now I know <laughs> <laughs> that you have a certain neighbour that you're not particularly happy with. I'm so. Not. What is it like, from that neighbour's perspective, to live next to a witch that doesn't like you? Is it like some sort of fairy tale? He hasn't moved in yet, so he's not oh, really okay. going to... My t- he's about to find out, I think. Right, okay. Probably oh, I didn't realise that. I <laughs> no, no, he's still building. Okay, right, so still building. So when it comes to the you deciding what to do, if someone annoys you, pisses you off, or you're in a foul mood... And you've already admitted, essentially, to not being quote-unquote white witch. <laughs> Ethically, how, how far do you go? What causes you to really pull the stops out? And is there a stage within magic that you feel, oh, I'm not prepared to do that because I would feel bad about that? Or is that not really a thing for you? I haven't yet reached the stage where I yet feel bad about it. Not with me. <laughs> Not with him? Not with him. Okay, so what about in general? Do you have a set code of ethics? Do you have a line? Yeah, a line, a line in the sand? I guess I must have a line. Um, I don't know that very, very few people actually piss me off sufficiently for me to actually go anywhere close to it. Um, I'm, so I don't get out into the, uh, into the public sort of witch-type 
mm. wars. Um, people, I am notoriously antisocial, so I very rarely mix with many, many people. So most of the time, I don't, yes, I'll, you know, I'll throw a hasty curse at the person who cuts me up and say, hope you get a flat tyre. Whether that actually gives them a flat tyre around the corner, I, I really don't know. But mm. um, it tends to be, if I'm annoyed, it tends to be a quick fire like that. Yeah, okay. Um, very rarely. This, this is the first time I've done a sustained uh, campaign of basically pinpricks, little little aggravations. Although Def when he moves yeah. in, he may actually notice the uh, graveyard dust in his foundations. But until he moves in, he's unlikely to spot that. So is it kind of like a compost heap next door then? <laughs> a magical compost heap? Well, I say more like a fade trap, and I can't say who gave me that idea. <laughs> a fade trap. Oh, you Same actually went ahead with that then? Oh, yes. Okay, so I have connections, you know. Because I was wondering, because I think the only problem with that... He won't that, notice that until he moves in either. The only problem with that you were saying about, obviously, it being your neighbour and you living so close, would mm -hmm. you want to be live so close to a, a fade trap? So, I have a good solid defence between. Right, okay. Uh, I, that was basically the first thing I did was actually put up an energetic wall round it, round his development. So all the stuff that he's producing gets straight back in, into him. So he's effectively he's living in his own cesspool. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that's our lady that's poison. Of... <laughs> 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 no, it's a case. I sort of. I guess I believe in poetic justice in some ways. Hmm. Um, I haven't actually added much to it. All I have basically done is reflecting everything that he is generating and that comes from him, stays with him, basically. He doesn't get to project it out mm. anywhere else, over, specifically towards me. Mm. So, you know, if he turns into a really lovely neighbour, then he'll be fine, you know. The, the, the energetic yeah. footprint of his area, of his house, will clean up rapidly. If he carries on being such a so-and-so then um he you know he'll, he'll be swimming in it well that's all we've got time for if you want to hear the full interview join the thoth witchcraft patreon